Hey, Jake as well. Thanks for joining us this week for the podcast. We are talking about joy under the sun. How can we experience and find joy even when the circumstances around us are so difficult and so hard? And the answer is we have a source in Jesus. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks so much for listening online with us this week. And now, if it's okay with you, uh, I think it's time that we have a little bit of fun today. Does anybody else feel like it's been a while, like we've been missing some fun in our lives? Like, I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time you laughed so hard that it hurt, right? Not like one of those wimpy little <laughs> laughs, but it's, it's deep in your gut and you feel it and kind of shakes you throughout your whole body. We need that kind of stuff in our lives. But 2020, man, this year has been something else. I've been talking to Paul for the last few weeks, and we've just been saying it's actually really hard to laugh right now, to find moments of happiness, because everything feels so serious. And yeah, of course it does. It should. We have some very real-world problems that have been putting a dark cloud over this year. But I think it's time that we relearn how to experience joy here under the sun. If you remember the series that we were in in Ecclesiastes, back in Legacy, we talked about this phrase, under the sun, and how it's talking about the days that we have here on this earth. And all the struggles and all the hardships that come along with it. But the idea is that no matter how difficult our circumstances is, no matter how difficult the things around us are, we can and we should experience and display joy to the people around us. What we need to remember is that our joy is not dependent on our circumstances, right? There's, there's a difference between the word happiness and joy. They're two different things. Happiness is this emotion that can come and it can go. It's fleeting, right? Maybe you're looking forward to an event or a party or something's coming up. And so for a little bit, you feel that rush of like, yay, this is good. But the yay doesn't last, right? Happiness can ebb and flow. But joy is a completely different thing. We just got done with this series in Galatians. And in Galatians, we learned that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And that means it's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can work hard to build up in ourselves. Joy is something that the Holy Spirit causes to grow in us. It's independent of us. Its source is God. And that means it has the power to last. It has the power to be consistent no matter what is going on around us. So Christians, joy is meant to be part of who we are. It's meant to be part of our DNA. It's meant to be part of how we worship God, not just in solemn reflection, as, as good as that is, but in moments of praise that just erupt out of us as we give him honor for all that he is doing. It's meant to be how we represent Jesus to the world because this world needs hope right now. It looks dark, it looks bleak, and you and I are the message bearers who can bring that hope, that love, that joy that the world is missing and needs. So a challenge for myself and for you today is instead of us wishing this year away, just wishing 2020 was over, we have an opportunity in front of us, an opportunity to redeem today to redeem this moment in our lives, to find the glimpses of hope and life, to find reasons instead of just wishing it away, to, to instead celebrate and mark occasions and to commemorate, to remember that we have a joy that has a source far stronger than the things happening in the world 
around us. So to this point, I wanted to share um, a song with you, one that has been really meaningful to me over the years. It's by one of my favorite artists, uh, John Foreman. You might be familiar with him as the lead singer of Switchfoot, but in my opinion, the best work he's ever done is on his solo EPs. So if you want to check those out, they're great. He's got one for each season. This song is called White as Snow, and the song comes from Psalm 51. And it has an effect on me when I hear it and when I am reminded of it. The chorus, when we get there, it just it kind of gets stuck in my heart, and it's something I can focus on and meditate on. It comes to me in moments of, of confession, in moments of prayer, in moments in my quiet times. And so I just wanted to share this with you. The verse starts with, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot up my transgressions. And then the, the chorus is what always catches me. Would you create in me a clean heart, O God? Restore in me the joy of your salvation. Would you create in me a clean heart, O God? Restore in me the joy of my salvation. As weird as it is for me to sing that out loud without an acoustic guitar in front of my hands, there's something about hearing that melody for me and hearing these words that again triggers me in a powerful way, and it reminds me, it's been so meaningful. When I hear that last phrase, restore in me the joy of your salvation, it, it catches me and it says, no, restore to me, re- remind me, take me back to that moment when I first believed in you, Jesus, when I was so captured by your presence and in awe of who you are. And so I have a question for you. Can you remember what that felt like? That very first moment when you put your faith in Jesus, do you remember what happened? This is something that's different for all of us. For some, it happens like in a flash, like in a moment. Your life was, was contrary to God and you were living for the world and then he steps in in such a profoundly powerful way that you will forever remember the specific day that it happened. For others, this is a journey. This is something that takes years. Some of you have, been, have grown up in the church And so even as children, there were seeds that were planted in your heart along the way, these things that have caused you to to know God more and more and more. But I used to be a youth pastor, and I used to say to our students all the time, there comes an age where you have to make that faith real for yourself, okay? What I mean by that is it's not enough for any of us for our faith to be that of our parents or that of our pastors or just to believe because we're told to believe. But there's an age where we have to ask hard questions and say, wait, 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 is this true for me? Do I want to own this? Is this a relationship that I want to pursue? And when that happens, even if it's over a period of time, it's a profound transformation that happens in your heart. See, I listen to that song, and that line comes across my heart again, and all of a sudden, I catch a glimpse, like just an ember, and and I start to remember that day. And when I do, when I start to remember what I experienced, I I can't understand for the life of me how I became so numb over the years. Maybe you can relate. I want to try something. While you're sitting where you are, will you just try to go back? Will you try to remember? When was the moment that your heart was most on fire for God? Where you were so amazed by him, where he captured your imagination and you wanted nothing more than to be in his presence? 
I'm going to share my story and how this impacted me, but as I do so, just, just think back and recall, and hopefully through hearing about somebody else's story, it starts to bring up some reminders and some sparks in your own heart. So uh, for me, it happened when I was 16 years old. I went to a conference called Nationals, and it was this big deal, huge Christian conference, 6,000 kids, and before I went, I had no interest in faith whatsoever. Around the age 14, I decided that God wasn't real, that he was fake, and that I didn't really want anything to do with him. I went in extremely skeptical. But I had these friends who invited me, wanted me to go. And I said yes, not because I wanted to go to a church conference, but because I could hang out with my friends for an entire week. It sounded like an awesome deal, and my parents weren't going to be there, so sweet. So I was excited to go, and I went in not expecting to learn anything, not expecting to be challenged in any real way. But I remember the very first night, we go into this large group space, and they do the music thing, and I don't know what's happening. It seems strange to me. And then this guy gets up on stage. His name is Shane Claiborne. He starts giving this message. And I remember hearing murmurs in the room because all of us were a little confused. This guy, he looks a little strange, right? He kind of looked like a homeless guy had walked up on the stage. And while I'm thinking that thought, that probably isn't a very good thought for me to think, uh, he immediately follows it up by making a joke about that very fact. And, and I'm listening to this guy talk and share. And he starts to explain that when he put his faith in Jesus, something radical happened in his life where when Jesus said uh, to sell all your possessions and to give it to the poor, this guy Shane took that extremely literally, and he did that. He sold everything he had, and he went, and he, he's, for the last 20 years, has been living in a commune in Philadelphia, spending all of his time and all of his resources and all of his energy loving on the poor and, and sharing everything that he has. And I'm listening, and I'm like, wait, what? Because to me, what a, a Christian is, I'm going to use air quotes here, what a Christian is is somebody who you walk into church, and I, I kind of grew up in a church where everyone was dressed pretty fancy, and if you showed up late, or if you weren't dressed quite the right way, then some little old lady would turn around and give you the stink eye, something fierce, and you just felt like the smallest person in the world, and so my view of Christians was, was kind of these hypocritical, judgmental people. I didn't think that anybody believed in this stuff enough that it would change them, and here I am listening to this man who changed his whole life for, for Christ, and I'm, it, it messed with me in a huge way. He ended up going to India, and he worked with Mother Teresa in the leper colonies, holding people as they died in his arms just to show them love and compassion and to talk to them about Jesus. I could go on and on about how I still remember all these years later almost every detail of that message because it struck me in such a way. And it left me curious it left me confused. It left me wondering if there was something about this whole religion thing, this whole Jesus thing that held any water. Um, I remember listening to the worship band and seeing my friends and seeing like the sea of people. There's 6,000 kids all worshiping. And they're doing this like raising their hand thing, which to me, I just had no idea what was going on. I thought it was really strange. And then when the music was just right and if they heard a, a line in a song, all of a sudden people around me would start crying. And, and it's just left me in this like, what is happening here? So I remember throughout that week, as each message would go by, I was learning more and I was hearing more and I was getting more and more curious. I had a roommate that I would keep up. He was quite a bit older than me. I would keep him up until three, four in the morning, every single night, just staring at the ceiling, talking, asking questions, trying to wrap my mind around all of this. But I was, I was absolutely curious and intrigued. And it all led up to this Wednesday night of that week. And I will remember this for the rest of my life, because this is the night where it hit home for me, where something changed in me. They shared the gospel, and they shared why 
Jesus had to come to earth and why he had to suffer and die. What was it all about? The heart of it. So the first time in my life, I heard the gospel in a clear way and something happened to me. I'm, this is going to sound dramatic, but in the moment, my heart, my heart broke. I was absolutely devastated because it was clicking. I understood that I had sinned and that I had chosen sin. And that in my sin, I had rebelled against a holy and righteous God who loves me. He created me to know him and be in this close community. But my sin had separated me from him. It divided me from him. And I remember having this this awareness of the weight of my sin. Like if I think back over the days and the years of what I have done, those, those, those shameful things, the things that we don't talk about with other people and we kind of hide away in the closet. But I, I just imagined the weight of all of that, the, the, the cosmic scale of it all. And when I realized that all of that had separated me from God, it, it hurt me in such a deep way. And, I, and I, was, I was understanding that that's what held Jesus to the cross. That's why he went there. That's why he suffered and died. It, it, was, it was to pay for all of that. And I just remember being crushed and devastated. But then I remember Francis Chan walking out on the stage. This is towards the beginning of his ministry, and, and he felt the room. He could feel that, that so many of us there were just devastated. And he, he so gently led us to a piece of truth that changed my life. And the piece of truth is that, yes, it's right that you feel the weight of this sin. Yes, it's right that, that it hurts you because that means you're aware of it and you realize that you need a Savior. But then he led us to, but Jesus' work on the cross was final. And before his last breath, he said three words that changed everything. It is finished. And in those three words, he had completed it. He had paid it. All that sin that you are feeling the weight of and the guilt of right now, it was dealt with there that day on the cross. And I remember him getting excited, like really excited. He kept saying it over, like, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished until he's just screaming it out loud. And I remember being in that room, 16-year-old me, one moment ago, I was heartbroken, sobbing, like just overwhelmed by the reality of this to this realization flooding over me. It was like, it was like life was, was rushing into me, these, these living waters, I think, that Jesus talks about. And, and I remember just like, like being like, wait, what? It, 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 I know I'm sounding crazy, and I'm okay with that, but I was completely overwhelmed and overtaken by this. It changed my perspective. And, and there I was. I don't know if I've ever been more excited in my entire life. When it hit home for me that my past was one of separation from God, and now I was adopted, and I was loved, and I was chosen, and I was a part of God's family. That changed everything. And this is the part of the story where I start to sound like a total crazy person. I've never shared this with the adults. The students have heard it before. But this is the part of my story I sound really weird. And some of you are like, you already are. That's okay. But you've been warned. Um, we got done, and I, I put my faith in Jesus that moment. And I was just like stunned. I was so enthralled and excited to believe in Jesus and to know him. And the worship band walked out, and they could just feel that the room was electric with energy. And they played so many songs, and we had a party. It was one of the biggest worship celebrations I've ever had in my life. And we sang, and we danced, and we jumped until our voices were completely gone. And it was amazing. And I remember leaving that place just 
so thrilled. And I'm sure the youth leaders around me must have thought, like, oh, he's just having fun. He's just feeding off the energy of the room. But something in me was different, profoundly different. And I remember walking outside. That night was July 4th. I remember that because there was a firework display that all my friends were going to go to. And I had no interest in that. I walked out of this building just enamored by what had changed in me. And I remember looking up in the sky. And I saw the stars. And it's like I saw them for the first time in my entire life. I saw the number of them and the magnitude of them. And all of a sudden I imagined that not only did God create me and not only did he create this planet that we live on, but I'm a part of this giant universe, this cosmic scale of creation. And I could see his wonder in the scale of all that. And I remember going to my friends being like, do you see that? Do you do? He made those. And they, I remember them looking at me and being like, yeah, yep, those are stars. And, and I don't blame them, right? I was, I was just so excited. Like, do you see what he did? And I remember walking over to a field, and it was like the grass was really nice that day. And I remember that it was like really soft and plush. And I, and I walked up to this grass, and I saw it. And I was just like, wait, wait, guys. He, he, I went down to like a, a piece, a blade of grass, and I grabbed it. And I said, he made this. This is his. Like, not only did he make the stars and all that massiveness, but, but on this small micro scale. And then if, if we could imagine the cells and the atoms, and I'm going on and on and on. And again, the people around me are like, yeah. And I'm sure they thought I was on something. Maybe you're listening to this right now, and you think that's the case. Um, fair point. What I'm trying to get across to all of us is that something in me changed that day. All of this excitement and exuberance and like maybe sounding a little bit crazy was because a miracle happened in my life that day. Do you realize that? That that it is a miracle that takes a dead heart, a person who is without God, it has no hope, and then a miracle that would switch that thing on to life and to be beating and to be able to be sensitive and to feel and experience God again. Something fundamentally changed in me. My eternity was changed in an instant. And my heart was fit to bursting with gratitude and love and joy beyond words. As you listen to my weird freak out about how excited I was about God, uh, there's actually evidence for this in scripture that's pretty heavy. Uh, King David, who is a treasure trove of so many stories and so many examples, there's this one story where the Ark of the Covenant is being brought in to Jerusalem, right? And the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, it's essentially where God chose to have his spirit rest upon. So what was happening was God's presence was coming into the city of Jerusalem. And David got excited, like really excited. And the story tells us that he took off his tunic and he's just wearing his little like linen undies, and the guys started dancing, and he started worshiping at the top of his lungs, and he was just, and he was so enthralled by God, he didn't care what he looked like, and people started to say stuff, they started to look at him like he was crazy, and his response was, you think I look crazy, you think I look undignified, or, or I don't look regal enough, I'll tell you this, I will become even more undignified than this to bring glory to my God. That's an example of someone who couldn't care less what humans saw because God saw his heart and saw the joy that was there. There is joy for us to see and to experience in Jesus. Christians, our realities have been changed forever by the Lamb of God who was slain for us. And that should give us more than enough reason to live in joy no matter what circumstances we live in. No matter how hard 2020 has been, 
we have reason to celebrate in our salvation. Will you restore to me, God, the joy of my salvation? And I would pray the same thing for you. Now, another reason why we should be able to experience joy and find our source in it is this wonderful passage in the book of Hebrews, okay? I've read it a number of times, but as I was preparing for this message, something new stood out to me for the very first time. We're in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. When we talk about the cross and Jesus' sacrifice, we tend to focus on the solemn and the serious aspects, and we should. They're massive. We think about the physical pain that he went through. We imagine the spiritual suffering that would happen to be paying for every sin that had ever happened to humanity. I can't imagine the scale. But here, the writer of Hebrews is showing us that there was something else. There was another motivation there. It was because of joy that was awaiting him that he endured that cross. This completely gives us a whole other perspective that he was motivated and driven by what was coming next. What would be the result of his sacrifice? And that made it worth it to see what was coming next. And what was this joy in? He knew that he was rescuing humanity. He knew that he was paying for this sin division between God and mankind. And he was going to make a way for us to know him. And the joy awaiting him was eternity with you and I. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus where we will be with him every single moment of every single day. Looking eye to eye with our creator and the one who loves us more than anyone ever has. Than we've ever experienced. That joy was worth it for him because his eyes were set on the prize. No matter how hard that journey would be, no matter what it would cost him, it was worth it because of the joy that was coming on the other side. And that was true for Jesus, and it should be true for you and me. Because our joy and hope are intrinsically linked. We know that this world is not our home. We don't belong here. We are citizens of a far better country, a place where there is no death or corruption or evil. It doesn't exist. A place where we get to be face-to-face with Jesus, a place where joy and satisfaction never end, but instead they deepen and they grow stronger. If you and I set our eyes on eternity, then joy can't help but flow out of us. So when we look back to the moment when we first believed, when we have the joy of our salvation restored to us, that brings about wonder and awe and excitement and a reason to express joy even in hard times. But then when we look towards the future and we keep an eternal mindset, we see that that is the reason to live and to show and demonstrate this to the world around us because we are called to be a light in this world of so much darkness. We are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, disciples of the king that bring about change. And when we bring about change, it doesn't happen through hatred or anger or starting fights on social media. That doesn't solve things. No, we represent Jesus when we lead with peace and love and comfort and joy. This world needs hope. 
This world actually does need laughter. This world needs fun. And we are actually being called to bring that. So let's stop wishing this year away. Instead, we can make a choice today to redeem the time that we have here on this earth. So for next steps, got a couple things for you. First is reconnect to the joy of your salvation. I just went through this whole story of what it was for me, and I want to encourage you, take a journal. Maybe you're not a journaler. That's okay. Take a few pieces of paper and write down details. As you ponder back and you look back and you try to see, well, what was that moment like for me? Maybe it happened in a day like it did for me. Maybe it was a process of years, but write down details. Write down the things that left you in a place where you were in such awe of God, that made you marvel at him, that made your heart light on fire. Whatever those things are, write them down, remember them, and reconnect to that joy. It's going to change you, and it's going to change your perspective on the rest of this year. And finally, consider how you and I represent Jesus. The reason I think this joy message is so important, one, it's, it's for us. It's hard to live sad and just feeling like there's no hope in this year. And so, yes, we should experience joy for ourselves. But Christians, I don't want to undersell this. We have a job to do. If we want people to know Christ, they're going to know we are Christians by our love, not through our anger, not through our hatred. We need to consider how we are representing ourselves to the world through our words, through our actions, through our social media. And we have to realize that we have an opportunity to lead out of the strength and to lead like Jesus in a way that makes people curious, like I was curious at that conference, that makes people wonder and want to know more about him and want to pursue the heart of God. So reconnect to the joy of your salvation and consider how you represent Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are good. And God, I just pray that this would change in us. God, help us not to just give up on this year or to wish it away or to imagine some future where all these hardships are over and just wait till then. God, will you help us to redeem today, to be the kind of people who make 2020 a time that is worth it and would reach out with love and compassion and joy and peace in this time when people need it so bad. Will you help us to represent you and will you gently guide us back to truth when we turn away from it? Holy God, we need you and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen.